Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 100 and I'm going to say five of Quest. I think that is is number 105, right? Correct. Cool. Okay. And let's see. I am back. I'm guessing you guys actually did one last week when I couldn't join. Yes. We had the soldier. Yes. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3E, obviously. Yes. It's It's a holiday that cannot be missed because who yes. knows when we'll get another one. Another actual one or another random spin-off that nobody's quite sure how to fit into canon. Uh, I mean, they're all yes. easy to fit into canon. It's just a question of how much they matter. <laughs> I mean, if, if you like your canon to look more like an actual linear progression instead of um, a mid-17th century royal family tree... Listen, I know what order the Devil May Cry games come in. Don't toy with me. Wow. How about the Order of the Legend of Zelda games? Uh, that depends <laughs> upon who you're asking and when. Uh, which, which of the three timelines? Well, well, they all have the same start point, which is the manga that takes place before Skyward Sword. Oh, but yes, the, the fact that this conversation is at all possible means that somebody real... Actually, obviously, they weren't planning it to begin with. Um, so, anyway, so yes, back after a week... Uh, um, a week of not being able to join in, Michael Baker, Gaijin Minogatari here in Japan, and with me as always, uh, somebody, Mike, Michael Apps, aka Wheels, aka the actual host. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, David McBurney, Fanboy Master, Third Wheel Extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call myself a host. I'd say I'm like a um, non-punctual facilitator. I just appreciate the fact that no one commented on the fact that. Like, I responded to Wheels introducing himself by calling myself a third wheel extraordinary. <laughs> hey, give me give me a, some time to think of a really good comeback on that one, okay? Okay, you got, you got but, a couple minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically it's like riding a tricycle over here. <laughs> uh, uh, so what did you guys talk about last week when I was escorting my daughter to the clinic? Uh, we we had to stretch. There weren't a lot of questions. That's true. That's <laughs> yep. true. Uh, and on that note, welcome back, Budai. Thank Yay! you. We are declaring a truce with regards to Breath of Fire. We won't make fun of it for at least a month. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll give you two months. Yeah, I said at hey, least. It doesn't... Hey, he leads off with a saga question. That's a peace offering if I ever saw one. Yeah. Pretty much. And uh, I got some opinions, and they're all very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, shall we start with what we're playing re- recently? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. okay. So, what what are what is the current new game? Oh, never mind. You guys have been playing Kingdom Hearts, haven't you? I blitzed right. through Resident Evil Two Remake in like eight hours, and then went right into Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts Two Point Nine. Oh, I love that it does that. That is like the. So, Gaijin, I presume you have not been following this. No, I have never actually played any of the games in that series. So, like, the first thing that happens, and I'm not even going to consider this a spoiler, because it happens literally right after you get through the opening cutscene, is you start going to the first world, Uh and the game boots up a fake title screen for Kingdom Hearts (laughs) 2.9. Somebody was having fun with trolling there. Yeah, Like they, That's right up there with some of the Disgaea intermission sequences. Yeah, it's, it's really good. The game, 
the game doesn't lean super hard into it, but it definitely knows when to take the opportunity to make a joke at its own expense for how long something has taken to happen or how much longer the real world time between games is than the actual game time. <laughs> so it's good. Uh, I'm gonna. I don't. I think I'm further than Wales. I'm yeah, three worlds. I, I am not past quote unquote two point nine yet. Yeah, so I'm about three worlds in, and one thing that I've noticed about it is that it's... One, the Disney worlds are a lot longer, like a lot, a lot longer. Like, before the core part of a Disney world would probably be about, like, 20 to 30 minutes. But in three, they're usually, like, two to three hours. Oh, wow. And the other thing about it is that they, they're generally much better at interweaving both, like plot and thematic links between the original content and the Disney content. That's good to hear, because, I mean, I was always under the impression that it was rehashing every movie. Yeah, so, like, the one, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna name some of these because, you know, they're all in trailers, but, uh, so, like, Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. Worlds are both, they're, they're different plots. Like, they do not they are not part. Uh, they are not rehashing the plot of their respective films. Whereas, that makes like, a lot of sense. Yeah, which is which is interesting because, like, I mean, the actual Monsters Inc. sequel is not actually after Monsters Inc., but the plot in Kingdom Hearts three is. But the other thing is that the there are worlds that are just taking the plot, like uh, the Tangled world that you get to fairly early on is just the plot of Tangled, but it makes a it feels like it's a more natural yeah. in, uh, all things considered with with the villainous of Tangled that would actually seem to fit pretty well yeah yeah she she feels like a character that would you know fit with the kind of machinations that an original Kingdom Hearts villain has so it's fairly easy to insert them in I mean, as like a was, part of the plot I mean she was also very much more of a classic style Disney villainous mm-hmm. you, you could see her almost working with the Wicked Queen or Maleficent sometimes. Yeah, she's definitely of that archetype. Yeah. Or Ursula. Yeah. She she's a landbound Ursula. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, no, I've I've been really impressed with it. Uh I really feel like they got the 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 extra horsepower got used a lot on like animation. There's a really cute animation that plays anytime an attack knocks something into a wall where they sort of cartoonishly stretch to sort of pancake against the wall for a second. There's a lot of nice animation like that. So, and I, it, it feels like, if you ever liked Kingdom Hearts, it's exactly what you were waiting for and hoping for, so I'm impressed with it. Yeah, I, obviously I'm not as far as you, but I have no complaints so far. Oh, oh really there's fun. one other thing I want... There was one other thing I want to bring up, which is that the characters have phones now because it's been like 15... It's been like 13 years since Kingdom Hearts 2, and it makes sense for them to have phones... But the fun part is that they have cameras and also, like, this weird in-game Instagram that populates the loading screens, and every single one of them uses Instagram like an asshole. It's amazing. (laughs) Like, they have... Like, all of them have a different, like, voice that they post in, but they also use, like, the hashtags, and also all the hashtags are heart icons. So, like, they all have, like, different hashtagging habits, which is really good. Also, I just it's... want to note that I was not the first one to swear this episode. I think this is yeah, the first. No. Well, I was keeping a PG-13 swearing. You uh, usually just go straight for the F-bomb. Fudge-sickles. Fudge-sickles. Okay. 
but yeah so it was it was um it's it's beautiful it's it's a great like dumb thing to have happening constantly in the background like there was a time where i was like trying to take a picture of something but donald was in the frame and he started like posing for it and then when <laughs> i didn't when i didn't take the picture he started complaining <laughs> it was really good so yeah a plus recommended yep i'm really <laughs> impressed so far so um i mean not honestly after uh Kingdom Hearts 3D, which I really enjoyed. I wasn't really all that worried, but still, it's good. It's yeah. good that it's good. And it's it's interesting because Kingdom Hearts has been bound to the technical limitations of PS2-styled hardware for a very, very long time. Yeah. Like, basically, you know, they, they went from PS2 to PSP to, like, sub-PS2, like, DS, and then to 3DS. So, like, PS2-adjacent at most hardware has kind of been their thing for such a long time that it's very strange to play this one with like modern <laughs> modern technical uh uh like it, it's it's very interesting it it you're not used to seeing a kingdom hearts area that is populated with a lot of characters but you see that a lot more now or like one of the things they did is that because they just have more horsepower you can just you don't have to swap out characters every time you get a Disney character for that world. They'll just accompany you with accompany you, so you'll get parties of five or six people because why not? It's neat. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, having a blast with that. Uh, I've also been playing uh, more Pokemon Let's Go Eevee with my son. Nice. Uh, as as six year olds go, they're interests in whatever wax and wane and randomly change from day to day so he hadn't had any interest in playing it for a while and randomly he did and we hunted down some eevees and got all three evolutions which he was pumped about so yeah now we're actually playing let's go eevee with a party that's half eevees eevee evolutions. so there you go it's pretty fun. i believe the term the term is evolutions yes <laughs> Uh, is that an official term, or is it just what the fans keep calling them? They have used that in a few official capacities. Not consistently, but they have used it. Oh, cool. So, been playing any more Pokemon card game with your son? Yes. Uh, we recently got some of the new expansion. Mm -hmm. uh, they're calling it Team Up over here. I forget, mm -hmm. what, I forget what they called it in Japan. Similar, but yeah. And it's pretty good. I got... Uh, we got... From our the little uh, they called elite trainer box we got we got two of the tag teams we got um, Venusaur and Celebi and mm -hmm. um, Mimiku and Gengar, yay! Which I really like, but it's a really card hard card to use. So uh, I also opened one in the online card game, and I think I've lost every single game I've actually used it in. So. Not not done so well with it so far. Mimikyu so, Gengar Turbo Deck. So it, is he still enjoying the cards that he got for Christmas? Yes. Uh yes, he thanks. He's I, I really enjoyed your I really enjoyed your message that you sent <sighs> after the first time. Oh that's right. I don't think I shared this on the actual show. Uh <laughs> so 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 yes, um oh, let me can I tell this one? Yes. <laughs> okay, so um 
so back sometime before Christmas, I got a accidentally got a cross message that Wheels had meant to send to I'm guessing um, Dave um, about how his son was very upset because he didn't have a Mega Tyranitar and all the friends in his class did. And so um, <laughs> in the package that included the copy of Pokemon Ultra Sun that Wheels had ordered for me, I included um, one unopened pack um, booster pack for the. Uh, the new card series that we're talking about, and three, three shiny GX cards that I just happen to have left over because I don't use them very often for flash cards. <laughs> and one of these was a Mega Venusaur GX, mm-hmm. which apparently his son has really enjoyed because um, two Wednesdays ago, I got a, a message <laughs> on Slack which goes, and I quote. <clears throat> Hold on, son. Gotta look up what a- that attack for the Mega Venusaur you're using against me because it's in Japanese and SWEET MOTHER OF Jeebus! Uh, <laughs> all caps, no spaces for the last four words there. That, yes. that makes sense. That sounds like wheels. Uh, yes. And uh, then a, thank you for helping my son wreck my Decidueye deck. <laughs> completely destroyed. Yeah. You, you want to know what the freaking attack does? Sure, okay. I don't remember, and yeah. my other two Mega Venusaurs are currently in the classroom, so I can't look at it myself, so, so tell me. 100, 120 damage, let's start with that. Uh, that's, well, that's quite a bit to be getting on with. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and um, causes confusion, mm-hmm. poison, and par- paralyzation. Paralysis, yay! Yes. Just which, all of it, which everything. Is, which is normally a status ailment they reserve for coin flips, because it's really powerful, because it makes it so that Pokemon can't act ne- next turn. Which means there's no coin flip, is there? Nope. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, which in the deck owned. I was using against my son with no GXs or anything. It's it's just okay. He's gonna knock out whatever I put out, so I have to hope whatever I put out can do some damage on him, because if it survives, it's just gonna be stuck there until it dies. So, uh, I mean, normally I have to like you know give my son some slack and obviously not try my best but completely trounce your child yes but in this case i (laughs) i needed to try my best to make it look like at least respectable and no that that didn't happen at all (laughs) it did did not look respectable in the slightest Uh, no (laughs) and now i found this other freaking uh it's like a regular venusaur that makes it so all your leaf energy uh counts for two uh, so now he's going to have that in there, too, to make this stupid thing easier to use, so. <laughs> yep, time to... I'm glad he's enjoying it. Time to make a fire deck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I have to prove my dominance. <laughs> so, okay, so if you make a fire deck, I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, which fa- water-based GXs do I have right now? Because, <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I've got too many old EX and GX shiny cards at this point. Because, again, I only use these things as flash cards, and if they if I can't fit them into an el- or an evolutionary family, then I don't use them, usually. Uh. And um, when the the Everyone Convenience Store down the street closed, all, the entire company closed down like four years ago, and I bought 30 booster packs at 60% off, I got a lot of these cards. Wow. So, <laughs> so I mean, I still have two extra Mega Venusars. 
<laughs> no, evil. evil. Standing at the ready to destroy wheels at any given moment. Yeah. Of course, I don't actually have any energy cards. Because I don't use the... I don't actually play the game. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, the worst thing now is now he also has that Venusaur and Celebi tag team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ugh. What could be more powerful than the two of them together? <sighs> um... Pikachu and Zekrom, apparently. That's seems to be the highest highest dollar card currently from the new set. Just yep. play nothing but the EVN Snorlaxes. <laughs> yeah, I really You've like... already won if you play that. Really it doesn't even matter if you win. That is a fun combination. Yeah, this, uh, not to talk too much about card games on the show, uh, but I really like these tag team cards. I think it's just a fun thing they can do. And uh, I actually already ebayed uh, some Japanese cards from the next one. Uh, just Greninja and Zoroark. So that one is just sweet. So if, if you want me to look, um, the store down um, the bypass from me has just these folders full of cards uh, arranged by price tag. Ooh. And um, I don't normally look at the really expensive ones simply because, again, I'm looking for evolutionary chains and usually I can find one that's cheaper. So... But if you would like me to look around, I can price sure. those things. Sure, yeah. Any of the any of the tag team GXs from whatever the next set is called, Night Night Union or something? Is that what it is? Yeah, I'm sure that whatever uh, it's the, called, I mean, in the Japan current, is going to be called something different. Well, I mean, that set is already sold out in all the stores in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, so that's why I would have to go to a used store to begin yeah. with. Um, the current set that just got released over here features Meltan on the cover or on the package. Oh. Yeah. So I was thinking about just grabbing one just to see if I can get a Meltan. Okay. So. But anyway, yeah, enough about me laughing at wheels for this. No, that's good. I mean, I'm in favor of that. Yeah, but (sighs) we do have to move on properly and then move on. So shall we actually get to Budai's question? Yes. Many questions. Yes. He's been making up for lost time. I appreciate it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, do we want to start with the softball, or do we move into some of these other ones? Softball, let's go. Okay. Which saga would you choose to get a full high-budget remake? At this point, almost all of them have been somewhat remade anyways. Yeah, some more somewhat than others. Yeah. Um, I'd say let's let's start with Romancing Saga 3 in the with a remake in the vein of the PS2 Romancing Saga. Minstrel Song? Yeah. Just because there's a lot of potential in that one, and unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be going back to Romancing Saga 2 anytime soon. So. Probably not, but then again, they're not going to go back to Romancing Saga 3 anytime soon, because that's apparently being remade as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, when I said like my answers will be obvious, I'm going to go with Frontier. And I don't want a new scenario that ties them all together, I want a new scenario that has nothing to do with any of them. Well, um, if I remember right, the uh, there was actually an eighth scenario planned. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was focused around the uh, what was it? Oh, the police force. Fuse. Yeah, fuses scenario. Yeah, like that one's known to have existed. There's apparently at least one like Ultimania that references another one that was cut much earlier. Like only ever got to concept phase, but. Yeah, I, I would say at the very least. Um, I mean, rebalance some of the sub-systems a little better. Maybe 
maybe vary up and include some more weapon types or just break the weapons down into something a little more complicated than just me- melee and ranged mm-hmm. and martial arts. And foot. <laughs> yeah. And um, put back in a lot of, or find a way of putting in a lot of the material that they were forced to cut for space reasons. So that would mean that loot actually gets a full scenario mm-hmm. and fuse actually gets a scenario. Yeah. I would be in favor of all of that, but I don't want... Like, one of the things I like about Frontier is that no matter how much of it you play, the only thing that fully connects these is that they are all taking place in, like, some shared reality, even if they don't even feel like they're taking place on the same planet half the time. Yeah. Uh, so like, I want that to stay, even if they add other things. Like, just don't connect them too heavily. I mean, they never bothered to try and explain why all these little world lits are connected in the first place, so... Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more fun for them to, like... What's, it's... It is with different with every Tom, character, first. and the reason that you're not figuring it out is because it's not actually relevant to most of them. Yep. Also, maybe make monster skills a little less complicated. <laughs> That would probably be a given, because, I mean, that's basically one of the major things they did to the Saga 2 remake was to make the monsters work better. Yeah, I remember and monsters also something working... They, and there's also something they changed a lot in for Saga 3. I, I remember monsters working real stupid in Frontier, but I don't remember how they work, because you really only have to care if you're playing as Riki. So. Um, it was like, you... Um, I mean, you absorbed a monster skill, and your form would change depending on the number and combination of skills that you had. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was improvement on the Saga 2 version where you just eat, eat and hope for the best. Yeah, but I Which, still again, feel that like... that was improved in the, in the remake. Yeah. So like, it, not... Yeah. There's, there's no risk of turning yourself back into a fly man by accident. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it one of those situations. Yeah. Make it simpler. Don't make it easy to understand, but make it less weird than it is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so... That's, like, Frontier is the like the first one that I really played and the one that I loved the most, and so it's the one that I want to see because it's also, perhaps... It's one of the weirdest outside of something like Unlimited, so... Well, actually, I was going to say Unlimited next because if... It's the I one was, that needs one. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I, I always liked the concept and the setting and some of the story and the, some of the artwork was beautiful. I would just like to actually be able to act, play it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which profoundly important function was not t- mentioned in the tutorial, but which was marked, which was mapped to R3. I think it was resting. Yeah. And, and given how some of the things in that game work, resting is actually really important. But, yeah, yeah, that's right. Rest, yeah, resting was R three, which was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where just like I, I think that there is the kernel of a game that might not be for everyone, but which could be for more people. <laughs> and I mean, uh, just I make it a bit more like Saga Frontier to begin with. Yeah, but I feel like it would be interesting to see a retake on Unlimited Saga to try to make it kind of hit the mark that it's going for a bit better. And with an actual capital G this time. <laughs> That's only if they succeed... We'll know if they hit the mark if an Unlimited Saga remake contains a capital G. Yep. 
it finally grew into a proper saga. What about you, Wheels? You got an opinion here? Uh, I'm going to go with my obvious answer, which is the original one, um, which uh-huh. didn't get... It's been remade before, but... No, it hasn't. It got a... I would call it a remaster. Before it's an there... enhanced port for Wonderswan Color. Yeah. 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 Well, it's entirely new tiles, which muddies the waters, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, most series would count that as a remake. However, this is the series that includes Minstrel Song and the two DS games. Yeah, like I which feel were, like which were so completely overhauled. It's like, yeah, I mean, Saga Three. It's hard to recognize as the same game half the time. Yeah, <laughs> I feel and like half if the you time, were... most of the time. I feel like good. if you were to ask me what the best video game remakes are, it would you like most of my responses would be either like if you ask me top five, it would be filled out entirely by Saga and Resident Evil. <laughs> like those two somehow have multiple like amazing remakes, and it's weird that some series get that kind of treatment and other series don't. Well, when you're the pet series of the guy in charge of the entire company. Yeah, that'll help you. That'll help you. Yeah. Just a sad thing that the DS games never got an American release. Yeah. they were so much better just than a lot of things coming out at the time. Just put, just put those remakes on iOS and eShop. Yep. Ugh. But also, yes, please. Or just Switch. Put them on Switch. Yeah, That's Switch it up. By eShop. Switch it up. Yep. I mean, don't even bother with the... I mean, they released the Se- the Seiken Densetsu series in a, like, all-you-want um, all format for Switch. Yeah, we didn't get that, despite much begging. Oh, they'd have to actually bother to translate Seiken 3. Yeah, they they admitted that, like, the like there was a person on the dev team that was like, please keep bugging them, they might give in this time, but it never <laughs> happened. Oh, well. Well, whenever I finally get a Switch, maybe next year, that's going to be one of the things on the list to buy. Just because the the prospect of sit down anywhere multiplayer with those games mm. is good. Yeah. Okay, so but let's move on. Budai's second question: What are some cool robots in gaming? So first, let's go back to the previous series and say Saga Two remakes had some really fun robot designs, yeah. but the the character robots were all these round, funny like funny little round guys. But one of them, one of the models, actually had kitty ears. Yeah. And it was just adorable, and I made sure to use that one because it was perfect. Good old cat bot. And then, of course, the final boss of that game had a lot of fun there (laughs) Um, with the robot designs. But how about you guys? Any favorites? I'm trying to think of game-specific ones. Mm. Some of the Metal Gears have nice designs. Uh, I kind of like the Wanzers from uh, Front Mission. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep things in the RPG space. I mean, we could just dedicate this to Super Robot Wars completely, but... Oh, boy. I, I wasn't going to pull any of the Super <laughs> Robot Wars that are based off of... Uh, that have licensed characters, because that's kind of cheating. Those aren't really video game robots. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Endless Frontier, um, the... Whatever it was called, um, the big black robot... That was a major character that you were chasing after for half the game. I'm trying to remember. I didn't really play it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
There's a like Super Robot Wars original generation has a lot of good ones that some of them might have appeared in that and some of them might not. Yeah. But they're all kind of Gundam clones to begin with. So let's see. What's something They're not necessarily the only one that's a the only one that's explicitly a Gundam clone is the one that they got that they had problems with. That suddenly suddenly was wearing a hat so that it didn't have a giant V on its forehead. Uh yeah. No, I mean, there were three Gundam clones in in Endless Frontier. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to bring up uh, the the dynamic General Guardian that might have also made a brief appearance. Its pilot definitely did in one of the Endless Frontier games. Yeah. Uh, but the Daigen Guard is pretty good. And they could never, ever successfully translate that stupid... its stupid name because they could not bring across how similar the name... Uh, Dai Sengar and Dai Gengar sound in Japanese. <laughs> um, how about, okay, going to one of Budai's favorite series, uh, Breath of Fire, the original, had the Earth Golem. I forgot that there's robots in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it is a techno-magical robot, and, it, it and in animation it looks more like something that, I mean, the game was made with Capcom, so um, it does look a lot like something you would find from Mega Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was it was a nice thing to have, yeah. Or um, maybe some of the golems from the Wild Arms series. Oh man, yeah, they, they always man. Wild Arms really gets kitchen sink with some of those. Yeah. Uh, or the um, uh, one of the early bosses in Final Fantasy VI was was the tunneling tank. You had to fight with Locke and Celeste by themselves. I remember that one. Yep. You had to use the uh, runic ability a bunch of times. Yep. You basically turn her into a lightning rod yep. for everything it was throwing at you. And that was about the only time where that that ability was really useful. Um, oh, okay, never mind. The Tower of Magi, too. Um, what else? Um, different... Different series, different robot. What was I just thinking of? Oh, um, Nino Kuni. Uh, there was the, a... the, the um, I don't remember what the name was in English, but it was called the Ibericog in Japanese. Uh, it was a joke on Iberico pork. Uh, and I mean, true, it was more of a tank. Tank shows up just hilarious. <laughs> It's like I—I I mean, it shows the main characters is walking down the hall and um, off screen, and I'm like, okay, something's gonna come chasing them in three, two, one. Yes, I was right. <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. Um, I was not expecting a that kind of war machine, even if the entire city seems to be very mechanically inclined. Um, it's quite funny. Uh, of course. There's always uh, Robo from Chrono Trigger. Oh, yes. And his uh, theme song, which is strangely reminiscent of uh, Rickroll. <laughs> oh, I love the, the mix-up of those two songs. Yeah, I mean, it is seriously very similar. Yeah. Okay. All right, what else do we get? Okay. Are there any trends in JRPGs in the last generation or so that you know have noticed pop up? Um, the 
the implementation of current anime character tropes mm. and the proliferation of same starting i mean this started with like the, at least two generations back with nipponichi and compile heart but it seems to have just spread throughout hmm. just because it, it makes for a really easy uh rubric to tell what kind of person the character is and how they will fit into the total scheme of things and since a lot of cheaper games rely on harem plot lines this also it works in its favor yeah your thoughts um i think you pretty much covered it yeah i mean because i mean when it comes to jrpgs anything else it's hard to plot a trend when as a genre it's more of a gestalt of whatever works yeah that's why we have so many wizardry clones, because I guess those work. Yep. There's a small but very hardcore population over here who loves those games. <laughs> okay. Um, what else we got? Wheels is a known fan of games that do something interesting mechanically. Is this the key feature, and what makes this feature so important in gaming? What feature? Just having interesting mechanics? Yeah. So, Budai, first of all, yes, this is can be a very important thing, but it's very possible to take it too far. CF Unlimited Saga. Yeah. But I mean, if you don't take, if you don't try to experiment or do interesting things with the mechanics, then you end up with games from the House of Chemco, which are all very by the numbers and not necessarily very interesting. So you want some sort of variety because at this point most of your veteran audience will be thinking, okay, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. I've seen this too many goddamn times before. We need something that stands out. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously plenty of um, Mm well-executed games that don't do anything new. I mean, Dragon Quest. um, Oh, yeah. But Dragon Quest is itself. And even then it will do things, um, it'll change up how you get jobs, it'll change up advancement systems it will add in like secret dungeons like not like nine did with the treasure maps yep so yeah so i mean it doesn't change any of the core mechanics but it will add peripherals like crazy oh yeah but i was thinking like um uh summon knight tears crown uh, uh which was basically it was very much a final fantasy 4 type game but First of all, it worked on split screen, so you ha- actually had to take into account whether or not you had characters that could reach the enemy. Ooh. Oh, no, this is good. I mean, most of your landbound characters still had some sort of ranged attack. It just didn't do as well. Um, and also, very often there were, like, um, in battle there were field hazards or gimmicks or other things that could be taken advantage of. That's pretty cool. Or avoided like a plague. <laughs> um, depending, um, but it would also give you bonuses after battle for doing pre- various things if you could pull it off. Like taking out all the enemies with an exploding cactus. So like in in battle achievements, pretty yeah. much. I mean, that's a thing that's been in all the summon night games to begin with. It was just... For some in night one, it was generally don't let anybody die, was the primary one, which 
Summon Night 1 was not a very interesting tactical game in most most respects, and in its in mechanically interesting sections were very poorly documented. Um, <laughs> there's a reason I'm not finishing that game. <laughs> More than one reason I'm not finishing that game. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, th- this is one of the reasons I've really liked the Disguise series in the past, because mm-hmm. like at its core, it's basically... It's pretty much basic strategy RPG mechanics like we've seen since Final Fantasy Tactics, and then they layer on top of that all sorts of craziness. And it really, mm-hmm. really adds a lot, which is, I guess, one of the reasons uh, the last game didn't really do much for me, because I kind of actually dialed that element of it back a bit. So, mm-hmm. um, Where you're mentioning Wizardry Clones, there was Beyond the Labyrinth, Triace's mm-hmm. sort of dungeon crawl type thing that had the most basic battle system you could imagine just based on was more or less color styled rock paper scissors mm-hmm. but they they took a very simple concept of mechanics and just went to town with it i mean you had i mean there were no there were no shops in the game you couldn't actually buy anything you could find items and you could win items off of certain enemies but that was it <laughs> uh, and but you had items that would change your color. Um, you um, outside um, in battle, you had items that would ste- um, that would. Um, okay, so like whenever you hit an enemy with the proper opposing color, there would be an amount of energy from that color that would go to the top of the screen, and the next character or enemy that uses the same color would get all of that damage back in healing. Yikes. So you had to time things properly so that enemies didn't get themselves healed or that you could heal yourself or that you could cancel out the energy with a different color. And there were things where you could um, you could um, basically pull one of your characters out of rotation to shield your the girl that you were escorting. And, that, and then you could put them back into the rotation at any point, which means that you could actually control the order that your characters were fighting in battle. And you could change their add um, their force multipliers for things. Um, basically, by the time you got to the final boss, you could you could do a lot of very interesting things with what was essentially rock paper scissors. <laughs> and you needed every single item that you had saved up over the course of the game in order to beat the final boss. <laughs> Just because he was also the um, I mean, there were enemies that could change color alignment in the game but they did so in a very predictable way he didn't or he could just random, he could just change it and it was very fun to work with it was a good boss yeah. they were all good bosses in that game oh. well, yep <sighs> okay alright what else we got what is your personal definition of a spoiler we, he asks, after we go through the first two hours of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Wait, what's this about Kingdom Hearts? <laughs> what is your personal definition of a spoiler? <laughs> uh, I would say 
something that I would want to see in the context it is meant to be seen. I would say something that would change the way you view the entire game at the wrong point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, like a spoiler would be anything to do with the fairy in Bravely Default. <laughs> and the fact, and even saying that there was something to do with the fairy in Bravely Default is technically a spoiler. You would not suspect the fairy otherwise. No. There's a fairy in Bravely Default? Says it's where the fairy flies. What did you think? Oh, I never got that far. Yeah, flying fairy. Yeah. It's it was... the title, dude. Yeah, I think the I think the English subtitle was localized as where the fairy flies, but yeah. Yeah, I mean the Japanese subtitle was literally flying fairy. Yeah. Yeah. I seem to recall they yeah, well, I won't bring it up. But uh Yeah. I just remember yeah. When... Anything that gets covered in the opening sequence of the game, that which is like up to the first hour or so, probably should not qualify as a spoiler. Depending on the game. Yeah. Unless, like, it's specifically hiding something in pre-release material, then I would consider anything that's within the first couple hours fair game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dragon Quest VIII, the princess got turned into a horse. I mean, you could that probably guess that. That is the basic that. premise for why the game starts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, its subtitle in English was literally Journey of the Cursed King, so... Yeah. That's what the Japanese title was, too. Mm. I've never paid too much attention to the Japanese subtitles. The English ones, they apparently, like, when they localized 8, they just came up with subtitles for all of the prior ones, which is what they've been using ever since. No, yeah. um... Oh, I mean, for English, maybe, yes. Yeah, Japanese, for English, I, I mean. I mean, I was at a store last night, and I found a couple copies of Dragon Quest IV with the subtitle. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I should mention, I mean, when they were localizing Dragon Quest VIII, they did that for all of the English Dragon Quests, because Dragon Quest had never had subtitles in English before then. Yeah. Which it should have had, but... Oh. Well, I appreciate that the ones that they got were, like, good, uh, you know, very Dragon Quest-y bits of... Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly uh, alliteration, a lot of alliteration, but... I mean, that's yeah. good. You get, you get good names like Legendaries of Luminary Line, which is probably better than the game that it's for. <laughs> I think that's two. Hand of the Heavenly Bride, Realms of... Yeah, Realms of Revelation. Yeah, in Japanese it was Mabaroshi no Daichi, like the Phantom Land or the Phantom World. Phantom yeah. Concept, actually. In, um, what's weird is for Realms of Revelations, that's the only one that I know changed at some point because it was initially announced in English as Realms of Reverie. Uh, that, was that weird. would actually work a lot better considering what the realm was. Yeah, like that's kind of the thing, is that it was weird that Realms of Revelation felt more generic. It was strange. But, yeah. Uh, so, and what we're, t- we're talking about spoilers, but yeah, like spoilers. I mean, it's also, it really depends upon. You can kind of see how in the game's attitude about how it treats something in story about whether it really matters that much. Mm hmm. If the game went to the trouble of trying to hide it from you, maybe be careful about just divulging it to other people. But... And of course, some some games are so thoroughly spoiled that the defining spoiler moment is also the button for spoiler tags on our forum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's just the easiest part of Final Fantasy VII to spoil. Yep. 
Everything else requires too much context. That's always fun when you get a spoiler that's like, if you understood what I was mentioning, you'd be complaining about me explaining a pivotal point in the story, but it doesn't even freaking make sense out of context. Context. Yes. <laughs> okay. Should we actually move to somebody besides Budai? Never. I need to. I need to make an, one final joke about FF7, which is to say, actually, Final Fantasy VII accidentally failed to spoil the title of Xenogears. <laughs> Good job, FF7 localization. Uh. Oh, okay. Some, something I found at the store last night. Mm-hmm. It was a Xenogears box set with um, with art book art discs, and I think it was supposed to be an Ellie doll in it. Wow. For 7,000 yen, which that price makes me believe that everything is actually in the box, really. Mm. So how much do you think that would actually be worth in on eBay? If you sold it to the right buyer, you because Zeno Gears fans are crazy, especially in, the, in America, so if you found the right buyer, you could probably, you know, probably double, triple your investment at least. <laughs> I am considering it strongly. Yeah. I mean I'm I mean I'm just looking here. Just the game. US box mint condition, okay, it's still but that's still Yeah. That is still that's like four and a half times what that box is worth. <laughs> yeah, people like I, I picked that thing up late in the PlayStation's lifetime, and it was one of those situations where it's like, it's 2003, and this game is still somehow hovering at $40. I might as well pick this up now. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I've got a long weekend with nothing better to do. I think might I might well just restart my eBay account. <laughs> see if you can turn a profit. Here we... Oh, okay, never mind. Here we go. PlayStation Xenogear Square Millennium Collections boxed. Japan pre-owned. This is pretty much the same thing I was looking at. And it's about a th- uh, about ten thousand yen, ah, uh, which is I mean that's still quite um it's still like thirty dollars more than what I would be paying for it at book off. But, but you probably you'd lose a lot in just shipping and duty fees and such and such. So oh, it's it's not expensive enough to be worrying about duty fees. <laughs> yeah, um, me, uh, shipping. I could probably get it shipped for like eight dollars. Mm, that's not too bad. Yeah. At that point, it just becomes, is it worth your time? And not not nearly enough. I mean, if it were... Yeah. yeah. I guess probably because it's a Japan copy, which means yeah. American PlayStations wouldn't be able to use it anyway. And I can. They couldn't read it. It's one of those. Uh, <sighs> still, yeah. fun thought. Yeah, I mean, the the English copies of this game are going for like, yeah, $150. Maybe I should dig that up. I don't need it. <laughs> I always forget that things like that actually rose in price after I purchased them. <laughs> but a Japanese copy, 436 yen. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, one of those... Well, there were there are a lot more of these. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's generally the case over here. There are very few games that have risen that much in co- in price. I feel like there's probably slightly less of a speculator market, just because if you wanted to find one, there are like resources to go looking for them in person. Yeah. I mean, there are some that are really high in price, but a lot of that's a combination of quality, demand, and a low print count. Yeah. It's... In North America, 
you know, a lot of these, you'll find them and it's like, well, this is stupid expensive, and it's not because there aren't that many of them. I mean, like, finding, it's sometimes even just, well, it's a game people recognize, and so they keep paying money for it, so it's stupid. Like, I mean, yeah. there's a period where Final Fantasy VII, a game that sold nearly 10 million copies, had, was expensive on eBay, and it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. But I think in Japan, a lot of the prices are actually a bit more controlled because there is, I mean, a lot of yes. the used game stores will check each other. Yeah. And yeah. also just that I, they're being I sold realize... through a used, a, like, used game stores that have a certain amount of profit margin that they need to take. And... Yeah. 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 So I, mean, early, so should be done I mean, and it's not even like GameStop. It's like an actual sub um, business subculture. Yeah. That's just paying attention and they know which games are going to be worth it and which ones are probably not and you end up seeing a lot of I mean you'll see games vary up to between five to ten dollars between locations sometimes especially if you're comparing a an actual main retail chain that does occasional used market and an actual used store. Oh, I was thinking Staya but yeah mm-hmm. so it can really vary, um, but usually not by too much for any game that's worth actually trying to speculate on. Yeah. Well, I mean, you won't find those at some place that's just sort of does a little used product anyway. Uh, you'd be surprised sometimes, <laughs> but um, usually if it's something that they just had in the back and are trying to unload now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about how those markets are different just from lack of sheer amount of disbursement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing in America, um, this, I mean, it just goes back to land area. Yeah. Where you only had so many copies produced for the American market, and if you are really looking, trying to find it, and you don't actually have any good used game stores within a 500-kilometer radius. Yeah. I remember, like, I got, I have a bunch of just Japanese games that my brother sent me while he lived there for a few years, because it was just like, oh, these are cheap, and they're things that you remember and care about. <laughs> Which ones? They were, uh, oh, just a bunch of PS1 RPGs that I happen to be interested in, so it's just like, oh, there's, they made, like, a million of these, they're all, like, 500 yen, here's a, here's a copy of some random thing. Or then, like, one time he sent me, one of my favorite things he sent me was just like, here's a pristine copy of Christmas Nights, that's fun. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah. It's, it's cute to exist. It's fun to have as a curio. It probably didn't cost much. Probably isn't worth much, but it's cute to have. Yeah. <laughs> I think a couple of Arc the Lad games, uh, Persona, some stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of the really rare ones you just can't really find. Or if yeah. you do, it's kind of rare. I mean, I picked up a copy of Moon RPG Remix. Oh, that one's probably six, expensive. For about 6,000 yen. I've I considered myself lucky on that one. Yeah. I have yet to find our type tactics too. Operation Bitter Chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean I really doubt I will ever find it, but if I do, I'm just going to go to the nearest ATM and get the money out to buy it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like we're talking like a hundred fifty to two hundred dollar game. Um, but you know what? It's also is it is actually the last game that Maxstorm asked me to look for. Oh yeah. So yeah. you know what? If I ever actually do find this game, and I don't really expect I will, but if I ever do, I'm just going to buy it and then buy a PSP and play it and review it for him. Yeah. yeah. That's a good choice. And then sell it for a massive profit somewhere. It'll all work out. But, yeah. Uh, 
other thing. I think I had like one last thought, and it's it's rapidly leaving my head, so it probably wasn't that important. But yeah, uh, game prices—they're very different across the pond. <laughs> so, okay, strawberry eggs. Question: So the domestic, uh, I'm guessing domestic release of Persona Q2 will feature Japanese voice acting only, even mm. though the first game has an English dub. Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey Redux also doesn't have an English voice work. Although Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology, which was released a few months before it, does. Do you think these games being left undubbed because they're both on the 3DS, which is at the end of its life cycle and presumably won't sell too well anyway? Yes. Definitely. Probably yes. Uh, I mean, bearing, in mind, bearing in mind that the only physically released 3DS game announced for the next fiscal year is Persona Q2 in the West. Yeah, it sounds like we're at a swan song state here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's, like, long... Dis- there were probably long discussions about this, but Persona Q2 would also be just a giant pain to dub because it's three entire game voice casts. Yeah, yeah that would... I mean, that would get really expensive. Plus a couple of new characters that need to be uh, cast as well. It's It would be a relatively expensive dub. I mean, if, if you could even get the entire trio of voice casts um, organized. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of those that they, they've already had to recast once and may have to recast again if they ever do that again. Yeah. And and I mean, I imagine Radiant Historia probably may have had a bigger audience than Strange Journey. Well, it was also just that. a smaller game yeah, in terms of, like, it has a small cast. There's, like, not a lot of characters in it. It's a relatively... Yeah, like you can tell when you play original Radiant Historia, this was not a big budget game, and it doesn't have a lot. It's got its entire design is built around an economy of locations and characters and art. Whereas something like Strange Journey, like that, wasn't a big budget game, but it's certainly a bigger budget one than uh, mm-hmm. than Radiant Historia. And and also those few months probably meant a lot in the scheme of the 3DS's life because it's when it goes from being a mature system to a dying system. Yeah. yeah. So, oh well. Yeah. Speak, speaking of games with a lot of voice acting and voice actor work, I'm currently playing <laughs> um, oh. Nelke and the Legendary Alchemists, hmm. Gust's newest title, and it is basically what you get if you take some of the design philosophy of the early Atelier games and marry it to a base building concept. <laughs> hmm. huh. Yeah. Didn't so you mean. For for once in the series' existence, the main character is not an alchemist herself. That's weird. <laughs> no, she she really likes alchemy, but she admits that she has zero talent with it. <laughs> so, um, that's why we have to bring back all these old alchemists from other parts of the series. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's we're we have. I mean, from the very start, we're doing tales of the world stretches for getting them in this location. Um, so, I mean, it did help that Atelier Marie and Ellie actually had a location that had a dimensional portal in it. <laughs> That's how, he, really how they got the portal to, to point them. anywhere besides hell, I'm not quite sure. But, um, but yeah, um, and then the time-traveling hero, Atelier heroine apparently uh, goofed again on the trip home, and she's trying to figure out where she, what time era she's in now. Um, <laughs> and um, the mysterious heroines, all four of them stepped through a magic painting and got in the wrong location. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, by this point, 
Nell Cates is just going, okay, sure. Hi. Want to work here? Okay, sure. Um, but yeah, she's kind of the administrator of a town um, that's near an old, um, like, a legendary alchemist's possible ruins area. And she's just trying to uh, build stuff up and explore and produce items and keep the town in the green or in the black for finances. So. Mm-hmm. And as near as I can tell, they have the entire original voice cast for every vo- uh, major character. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the minor characters don't get voiced. It's just the heroines for each game. And in one case, a big brother. Hmm. But every... Um, yeah, that's still... I'm just going to guess there's like a good 30 different voice actors involved here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just... At a guess, uh, actually more than that because we're talking about 20 games and at least one, two, three, four, five, six, at least seven or eight of them have multiple protagonists. So hmm. I'm assuming the English version of this is going to be un- undubbed. I'm. It, has it been announced for an English release? Yes. I'm thinking that the American audience is going to be really confused over who is who. Probably. I mean, it it does actually bother to present the logo of each game <laughs> um, as every new character is introduced, major and minor. <laughs> so, like, okay, this character is from Atelier Marie. This one's from Atelier Ellie. Um, they didn't bother to do that with Pamela Ebus just because I'm sure they couldn't decide which game to introduce her from. <laughs> uh, and in fact, I am very surprised that we haven't had any character conversations between Pamela and, um, let's see, Judy, Violet. Um, the Arland characters haven't shown up yet, but any of the mystery characters, she should know at least 10 different protagonists on site. And we have not had any of this conversation yet. <laughs> so, on the other hand, um, Lily and Marie got into a conversation about Lily's star pupil in her game named Astrid, not Astrid, Ingrid. And Marie's like, oh, uh, I have, my, my professor's name is Ingrid, uh-huh. And it's like, okay, Marie, why are you breaking out in a cold sweat? <laughs> um... <laughs> Ingrid is a very, very strict professor in Marie's time, and she's about 40 years old, and in, Li- in Lily's time, um, Ingrid is about 10. <laughs> they have not quite figured out that they're from the same timeline yet. Give it time. Yep. Things like this. Um, there are going to be a whole lot of references that nobody who has never played the other games will ever get. Never. <laughs> yes. Well, on the other hand, it's a pretty good base-building game. Oh, I've only had to reset back to five or six hours once because I finally realized what I was doing wrong. Just just six hours down the tubes. It's not bad for an Italia game. Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. I, I mean, back during the DS period, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing twice just to make sure I've gotten everything, and then I will review it. Play through this twice to make sure you got everything and that it didn't just explode partway through. Yeah, pretty much. Um, though, from what I can tell, it doesn't look like this, um, like Nelke has any of the portable games listed. Mm. 
which means yeah, no Lise, no Annie, no Lena, and probably no Annis either. Hmm. Which is too bad because I really like those characters. Room for the inevitable sequel, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean it makes sense because I mean the DS games are considered side material anyway. They're not part of the actual Atelier numbering. Yeah, yeah. And um, the Game Boy Advance game was actually made by Banpresto. <laughs> Uh, you just... And it also stars Marie and Ellie, who are already in the game. Mm-hmm. So, it's just missing the two original characters. Well, when next time they make a big crossover, they'll put in that and all the characters from Monokemia. No, Monokemia's in there. Oh, okay. Ma- Monokemia and Atelier Iris are both in the Atelier listings for the actual um, official series. For some reason, I thought that uh, Monokemia started as a portable game, but then I realized that, no, the PSP version was port. Yep. Yes, and it was not a very good port. Yeah, that's putting it mildly. (laughs) (laughs) This one, at least, it it seems like a good port, if only because there isn't a lot to mess up. Um, I mean, battles are pretty basic. There are a couple times where I'm wondering where the battle, the uh, massive Kaboom animation went. Or if there was even supposed to be one for some of these attacks. But that's about it. Yeah. So it's working pretty well. Nice. But yeah. Um, See, my copy came with the season pass for DLC. Hmm. So I've already gotten one background music selection. Got another one coming out this week. And then for... Next Thursday, the 14th, I can download Gust Chan. I guess that's the corporate mascot? No, that's the character from Neptunia. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I'm going to go over here right now. But, yeah, it's, it's the character representing Gust as the company in the Neptunia series. I wish more game more game companies would do like CyberConnect Two did and Dot Hack and pr- represent their own company as like an evil, heartless corporation that must be destroyed. <laughs> Instead of it's a tiny anime girl, maybe it's angry as well. Oh no, Justin was never angry. She was she was always a very good item maker. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. But yeah. That was always something I enjoyed, like, just thinking about corporate representations. It's just like, in in .hack, the, the in-game MMO is always made by a CC corporation, and that corporation is always, at best, criminally negligent, and at worst, actively evil. <laughs> I, know, I, I liked um, some of the appearances of um, Creatures, Inc., in, or Game Freak in Pokemon games. Oh, yeah, those are always just sort of like, here, you can tour the frickin' Pokemon offices. And then they gave a nice, um, like, in-memory-of... Iwata. Yeah, for Iwata. Yeah, that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, did we have any other opinions on if there's anything else going on with this this lack of dubbing? I feel like it was really just, uh, well, this system is very on its way out. I, I think people will try and make whatever they want of it, but yeah, I think it's pretty pretty straightforward. The next Persona game that you buy will have an English dub. Yeah. After Persona Q2. They're not abandoning them. Because mm-hmm. that would be silly. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, let's see. Want to hit the next Budai question? Sure. I've only got a few more minutes. So. Okay. Well, this should be a quick one at the very least. Just for fun, make an early game of 2019 prediction. Puzzle Bobble. Finally, Puzzle Bobble 5 will come in and rock yes. the world. Boom. Yep. Um, Shockingly story-based. The story of the withering of Bub and Bob's friendship. Uh, I'm going to go with Trails of Cold Steel 3. Mm. That seems... Serious suggestion. Okay. Yes, that seems like something we would actually award Game of the Year. That might have... Been... About, in general, I wasn't talking about the website. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, in that case, I'm going with Pokemon Gen 8. Like that's, that's something you suspect could be your personal? Yes. Man, I don't remember trying to get you to buy a freaking copy of Pokemon Black like six years ago so that we could actually fight and it's yeah. never happening. Well, and now there's no online to do so. Yeah. See see how beautifully things work out? <laughs> yeah. Pokemon Moon still has online. You can't see it, but I'm glaring at you through the internet. <laughs> what, you no longer have your copy of that? No, I've got Ultraman, but I'd have to actually sit down and play through it. Do you have Vanilla? Ultra. You don't have the vanilla anymore. I never had the vanilla version of mine. Uh, okay, then. Uh, I don't know. Ask me, like, there's a lot of question about, like, what I assume is the kind of game that will get awards versus the kind of game that I would give awards, so... I mean, I'm always so out of step with this to begin with. I'm just... I'm, I mean, my answer, I'm not even sure if that game exists. It doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> uh, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, what I expect to win? I don't know, something about a sad, angry dad. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> I, what I'd give it to? I don't know, I'm having a ball with Kingdom Hearts 3, good enough. <laughs> like, that's, that's Kingdom Hearts 3 is a pretty good choice, too. Yeah, it, it depends. Like, the series has enough history behind it that I could see it just not really, and coming out early enough that I could see it just not really making enough waves to successfully be remembered by certain, enough subsets for people to actually give it Game of the Year, but it's mine, damn it. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. You've still got a lot of year left. Still got a lot of game left, too. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly they're planning a DLC? That'll be fun. Yeah. DLC including what? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> it's just going to be more of the freaking mini Game & Watch games you can find that are all just things like freaking Mickey trying not to get destroyed by a giant version of Pete in a Game & Watch art style. <laughs> very strange. I am curious as to what caused those to be included. They're very cute, but it's like, what is this doing here? <laughs> Also, those had their entire own dedicated trailer, so that's not a spoiler either, nerds. Boom. Yeah. I mean, as as for what else might win, I mean, again, prob probably something about a sad dad. Sounds about right. Because that's how video games... Octodad 3. Nobody suspects a thing. Octodad. It's got a good thing going. Octodad. Octodad. 
Hasn't yet been an Octodad 2, but I would appreciate the avant-gardeness of ignoring that and doing an Octodad 3 anyway. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Octodad Deadliest Catch is technically kind of a sequel, kind of a remake of Octodad. Mm-hmm. Deadliest Catch. <laughs> Good name. Oh, my God. Watch it's... out, Octodad! All right, we should probably wrap oh, anyway, this I keep up. going. Yeah. So, I have fun discussing this more at length without me. Okay. Well, I think we're always good to yeah. yeah. And we'll see you next week. See ya. I think yeah. we're actually going to wrap this up, though, so... You coward! Mm. Uh... Did we actually hit all the questions, or we got some to carry over? Oh, no, episode? no, we're... We got one, two, three more Budai. Perfect. Actually, two more, because we did the 2019. Okay. Yeah, we've got a couple more Budais. Good. I like a backlog. Okay. And one of them you can answer after having some more time with Kingdom Hearts. Sweet. (laughs) Okay. Well, hasta la vista. Peace. All right, so you can send us questions and such in the normal place, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. You can talk to us about Kingdom Hearts. I got a lot of opinions. Oh, man. Uh, are you going to have more time for that this week, Wheels, or am I going to leave you in the dust? Uh, you will probably leave me in the dust regardless, let's be honest. Yes, but... How much of du- how much of the dust am I going to leave you in? Uh, hopefully not too much. Good Shall luck. Say. I'm going to the next world. Uh, Nobody suspects a thing. Anyway, um, send us questions in the normal place uh, on Discord. Watch out, comments, etc. And we will see you next week. See ya, Space Cowboys. Peace. Breath, should I take a deep? Faith, should I take a leap? Taste, what I